0: Hey guys, this is one of the teachings from the Pause Pursue Retreat in 2021. Pause Pursue is a group of young adults gathering together to better understand what it means to pause and reflect on what God is doing and then pursue after him with our whole heart. So take notes, lean in, and learn from Pastor Brian and Pastor Nate as they help us to understand God's design for God's people. So I was um, thinking about kind of social situations in general. And uh, I always get nervous by the question, what have you been up to lately? Does anyone else get nervous by this question? Yeah. And uh, I get nervous because I don't think I'm like the best at like riffing and small talk and stuff like that. And so I always kind of feel like that question. And if you've asked me that, like no judgment. Like, don't, don't be like, have I asked him that recently and made it like, it's fine. And I ask people that all the time. So I'm a hypocrite myself when I'm talking about this. But I always feel like I'm like an NBA player during a press conference, you know, just kind of like riffing off, yeah, like both teams played hard, you know, just going to give it 110% out there. Like, it's what I've been doing recently. And, and I always feel like if, if I have been doing something cool, like I'm embarrassed to talk about it because I don't want to seem like I'm bragging. But then like most of my life, like when, when someone's like, what have you been doing? Like I picture like myself, you know, like just like covered in sh- cheese it crumbs and like the Netflix thing is like, are you still watching? And I'm like, that's not really a good answer for what have you been doing lately. But that idea, that question, what have you been up to? I, I was thinking about it and, and I want to teach today on the subject, what is Jesus up to these days? What is Jesus up to these days? And I I think if we all were to pass around the mic, we could all say this is what Jesus is up to in my life, but I'm not necessarily talking about that specifically, although that is a wonderful thing. What I'm asking is, what does Jesus actually have on his to-do list today? What does the Bible say that Jesus is doing right now? And I think we can... Kind of find that answer uh, based on, uh, the, the, there's a story in Acts chapter 1 that we're going to kind of use as our launching point. So you can turn with me if you want to Acts chapter 1. I'm also going to have all the verses on the screen. But it says in Acts chapter 1 verse 6, and kind of to set this up. This is after Jesus has died on the cross for our sins. He's risen again. He's appeared to dozens and dozens and dozens of people. And now uh, he is gathering his disciples one last time. And this is what happens. It says in Acts chapter 1, verse 6. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now most of us probably know Acts 1.8. That's one of the most famous verses that we talk about a lot. But this this next section, this is going to give us a key to what is Jesus up to these days. Read with me verse 9. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, Jesus was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who is taken from you into heaven will come in the same way you saw him go. So what is Jesus up to? The, The theological term for what we just read is called the ascension. It's the idea that after Jesus rose again and appeared to his disciples, he ascended and he went back to heaven. And if I'm honest with you, I think this is one of the most weird concepts in the Bible. Like, I think that because we talk about a lot of the other ones a lot, maybe they, like, don't sit on us as weird. But, like, we're, I think even for most of us, we're like, okay, like, the virgin birth, we hear it every Christmas. Crucifixion, resurrection, hear it every Easter. But, but what we just read here is that Jesus was here, and then he floated back into space and disappeared behind clouds. Like, like this is, like, what Mary Poppins did, Right? Like do you guys do you guys know Mary Poppins? Do you guys know about Mary Poppins? I literally I was like is that actually what they did? And so I went and like YouTube the end of Mary Poppins and it's very strange. Go watch it at some point. But there's like bankers flying kites and people singing and then Mary Poppins is like I must leave now and she like floats away over London. But like th- this is like something that that we as followers of Jesus like we believe like this is part of his story. And I think we, we get his life, we get his death and resurrection, and I think we get his return. But, but there's kind of sometimes, for a lot of us, maybe a gap in our thinking and a gap in our understanding. I know sometimes there is for me, like, okay, Jesus is up there, but like, what's, what's actually going on with that? Now, the reason I think that it's so important for us to talk about this, and this is kind of the big idea I want to share on today, is this, that when we know what Jesus is doing right now, we know what we should be doing right now. When we know what Jesus is doing right now, that's how we know what we should be doing right now. I think we live in a world and we live in a time where the world and our culture does not know what to do at all. And I think it's it's never been more apparent that many of us and many of our world is like, man, I don't know what's going on. And I even think that we've taken to like, blaming years for things. Like, like I, like I three or four years ago, I noticed this, that we all started being like, you know what? 2017 sucked. like It was the worst. You know, and we started, like, saying, like, 2018 is going to be our year, and then it was, like, the meme of, like, me at the beginning of 2018 was, like, Anakin Skywalker, young Anakin Skywalker, and me at the end of 2018 was, like, Darth Vader with his mask off on the Death Star. Like, you know, like, I barely made it, and then 2019, it was like, no, we can't do it. And then we, we all know, like, 2020 is pretty much, like, the butt end of every joke now. <laughs> but I, I really think, I, I genuinely believe this, that, like, so many people for so long were, like, really, like, putting their hope in 2021. And I think that a lot of people are going to start getting huge letdowns and huge discouragement and huge anxiety because their hope has been in 2021, and then they're going to realize, and we're all going to realize, 2021, nothing massively different happened. The cl- clock just struck midnight. But here's what we need to understand, and I think this is such a key concept. Spiritually speaking, we are in the same place right now as the disciples were in the verse we just read. Jesus has left, he's given us a command and we're waiting for him to come back. And I think that is actually a great source of peace for us. Like we're not in this massively different shift and this massively different change. This is where we're at. Jesus left, he gave us a command and we're waiting for him to come back. And I think because of that, if we can understand that, that simplifies things and that gives us peace and that gives us perspective to move forward. So let's study and let's learn four different things that Jesus is doing right now according to the Bible. Four things. The first thing is this that Jesus is seated on a throne. Jesus is seated on a throne. So Jesus died. He rose again, he appeared to his disciples, he ascended into heaven, and when he got to heaven, he sat down on his throne. And I know that because of Ephesians chapter 1, verse 20. It says, God worked his power in Christ when he raised him from the dead. So we know about that. And, check this out, seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. So God raised Jesus and then he seated him in, on his throne. Now, why does that matter? Well, Paul explains, he says, He is far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet, all things, say all things, all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all." So everything is under the authority of Jesus. And I, I just wanna break that down a little bit more. The, the physical realm is under the authority of Jesus. We learned that Jesus was the name above every name. So at that time, Jesus was, Caesar was the name above every name. The, the, the emperor was the name, and so Paul is saying there's actually a name above the emperor, and it's Jesus. And, and maybe even thinking about that, that Jesus has authority over the whole world, like, that's pretty crazy. But, but I want to expand a little bit farther for a second. Like, Jesus is actually the, the greatest name in the universe, okay? So our world, I, I did a little bit of research. Our, our, our solar system, from the sun to Pluto, I was, I was, you know, raised in the 90s, so Pluto was still a planet back then. I still stand, Pluto, we stand by you at this church. (laughs) And from Sun to Pluto, 3.7 billion miles. Now, I wanted to get that in perspective. So I texted Stephen, who is way smarter than me, and I texted him some numbers, and I was like, Stephen, if if the earth was the size of a golf ball, how far is 3.7 billion miles? So imagine a golf ball is sitting here, and he said it's 12.5 miles. So the earth is a golf ball, and from here to I-95, that's how big our solar system is. So that's big. Now, our solar system is actually in a, it's a tiny, tiny speck in the Milky Way galaxy. And, and scientists have estimated that there are 10 billion ga- or solar systems in our galaxy. So we are one of 10 billion in our galaxy. Now, how many galaxies do you think there are out there? Well, maybe like 12 or 15 or like 50 or 100. No, Scientists have estimated that there are 125 billion galaxies in our universe. That is crazy. We are very small and unimportant in the grand scheme of things. Jesus is an authority over all that. Like when Jesus is on his throne, not only did he create that, not only is he seated on his throne and holding all that together, but he is the greatest name of all that. Not only that, but Jesus is an authority over the spiritual realm as well. You noticed in that verse that Paul used the language far over all ruler and authorities and powers. This means that any spirituality, any demon, any angel, Jesus has a name that is higher and more powerful than that. And Jesus is also, we learn, not only the name that is above every name in this age, but also in the age to come. So from now till the rest of eternity, there is never going to be a single second where there is not a name that is above Jesus. Jesus is always going to be the name that is above every name. So, so this, like when the worship team gets back up here, like this is cause for us to worship right there. Just that he is seated on his throne and we can worship him and he is the name above every name. But here's the point for us to think about with that, that, that this context, when Paul is explaining to the people the power and the authority of Jesus, he's doing it and he's saying, I'm praying that you would understand the power that is at work for you, that is at work for those who believe. And so sometimes we think that our faith is so small and sometimes we think that what we're doing is so insignificant, but what God is saying is that when you're stepping into my story and when you're stepping into working for me, the power that has the authority over everything in the universe, that's the power behind what we're doing for his spirit. And so we can have confidence when we are at work for God that we're not the one who's pulling all the weight, and God maybe will show up from time to time, but that God is all-powerful, all-supreme, And that's the power that is inviting us into serving him and inviting us into walking with him. So that's the first thing. Jesus is seated on the throne. The second thing is that Jesus is interceding for us. So Jesus is on his throne, but what's he doing all day? Well, all day, day and night, he is interceding for the saints. We read in Romans chapter 8, verse 34, who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Now this word interceding is connected to this word condemn. Paul says, who can condemn us? And then he says, no one can condemn us because Jesus is interceding for us. Did you know that if you are not a follower of Jesus... then then when you sin, that sin is separating you from God. And the enemy, the accuser, actually has the authority to be like, yeah, like like that means that you are living in the domain of darkness. That means that you're still part of my kingdom. But when you become a Christian, when you become a follower of Jesus, when you trust in Jesus' blood to cover your sins, then that means that no one can condemn you. Because Jesus is interceding for you. Anytime the accuser of the brethren, Satan, says anything, he says, no, uh-uh. No, I'm not. That's not true because I have already paid for that sin. It's crazy. Yesterday I had a chance to do some ministry at a local high school. And I was there and, and kind of just sitting in the back waiting for things to, to start. And um, I just started thinking about like my own life in high school which is very depressing to think about, by the way. That's why you should never go to any high school ever, (laughs) because you'll just start remembering your high school, and you're like, man, I was sad back then. (laughs) Hopefully I don't look back in these days and think, man, I was sad back then, but I probably will. (laughs) But I was thinking about it, and genuinely I was thinking about some of the, the things that I had done that I wasn't proud of, some of the sins that I had committed, some of the bad choices that I made, and I started to feel a deep sense of shame. And I started to remember some of the, the, that sickening guilt and sickening condemnation. And to be honest, I kind of just moved on with my day after that. But then as I was thinking about this text and I was thinking about the fact that Jesus is interceding for us, I remembered that I actually don't have to feel condemnation. Because Jesus has already paid for that. He's paid for my past. And so anytime the enemy brings up condemnation in your life, if you have confessed that sin to God, he is faithful and just to forgive you that sin, the enemy can only make false threats. He can only make you feel a certain way if, if you allow that to happen. But, but he, he can't actually put his money where his mouth is because Jesus has already paid. That's why it says in Hebrews chapter 4, we do not have a great high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. So then we're invited because Jesus is interceding for us, let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So, If there's that moment that we think about that is causing us shame or causing us condemnation. If there's that habit that we just cannot seem to break that's causing us shame and causing us condemnation. We we must remember that Jesus is right now interceding for his saints. He's right now interceding for the people that he died for. And he's saying, I paid for those sins. I provided the solution. I provided the payment. Our chains are gone. We've been set free. The third thing that Jesus is doing is that Jesus is planning on coming back again. He's coming back again. Like he is in heaven right now. He has ascended. He's sitting on the throne. He's interceding for the saints. But he is actually planning on returning. We read this. The angel said, the the disciples, they're standing there. They're staring up at the sky as Jesus ascends. And then they keep staring at the sky. And the angels, they're like, why are you still staring at the sky? Which I personally feel like is a little harsh. Okay? Like, these guys have been through a lot. Can we, like, admit that? Like, for the past, like, 40 days... Like, their rabbi died, and they went through all of that, and then he rose again, and then they were, went through all that, and then they were, like, fishing, and, 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 and he's, he was forgiving people. I mean, crazy stuff's happening. And then, to cap it all off, he ascends to heaven. And then the first thing, after they're just staring there, the angel's like, why are you still staring at him? Like, come on, angels, give him a minute at least. It's like, give him five at least, come on. But, but the angel said, hey, like, he, he's going to come back. Like, he, he went up, but he's going to come back just the same way. And actually, we know that they were on the Mount of Olives, and Jesus is actually going to come back to the Mount of Olives. He's going to step his foot on the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives is going to split in half. Like, that's actually going to happen. That's like something that the Bible has promised it's going to happen. We read about it in Revelation chapter 19, verse 11. This is like a crazy powerful verse It says, Then I saw the heavens open, and behold, a white horse, the one sitting on it called Faithful and True. That's Jesus, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. and on his thigh he has written, King of kings and Lord of lords. I think it's interesting that we we live in a generation that longs for justice. And you don't have to be on on social media very long to to see that that our hearts are burning for justice. And, And whether you're Politically on the left or politically on the right. People are desperate for justice. They are desperate for the wrongs to be made right. Even earlier in our text that we read at the beginning, Acts chapter 1, Jesus has his disciples together. He's about to ascend to heaven and they're longing for justice. They say, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? They want justice. They want something to happen to stop the wickedness and to stop the evil. And what we just read is the moment that that's going to happen. The moment where King Jesus, authority over everything, is going to leave heaven, come to earth, and he is going to destroy all injustice, destroy all evil. And he's going to make every single wrong right. That's a crazy concept to think about. And it's a concept that should Get, get us, in a way, very excited because, man, we, 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 we hate to see evil. We hate to see wickedness, but in a way, it should also fill us with great fear because, because we realize that, that man, that, that we as human beings, that we are sinful as well and that without the blood of Jesus to cover our sins, that, that we would be just like anyone else. And it should fill us with fear as well, and it should fill us with compassion, with a burden for the lost. Because God's not just going to, to destroy just some like elite level of evil, but anyone who has who, who fallen short of the glory of God. We need to tell every single person about Jesus and invite every single person to walk with Jesus. We want everybody possible to come with us to heaven. But Jesus is coming back. And isn't it interesting that for the thousands and thousands of years that we as a people have been living, we still haven't been able to figure out a system of government that actually works for everybody to flourish. And yet when Jesus establishes his government, when he is king of kings, when he is lord of lords, the Bible says that it will be a kingdom of righteousness and peace and joy. That there will be peace that there will be righteousness, and that there will be joy. We've never figured that out yet, and yet we earnestly yearn to see that happen, for King Jesus to establish his kingdom. The fourth thing and the last thing that I need us to realize is this, that Jesus has empowered us. Jesus has empowered us. So Jesus is on the throne. He's interceding for us. He is going to return but before Jesus left, he said this to his disciples in John 16, 7. He said, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. So Jesus says, it's good that I'm in heaven right now. It's, it's better that I'm in heaven than I'm here. Isn't that crazy? Like, like none of us will be like, yeah, it's better that Jesus isn't here right now. No, but Jesus like, it's actually, this is the right plan. This is the best thing I could be doing in heaven interceding for you because... If I don't go away, the Helper will not come to you. The Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So Jesus says, because I'm going, I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. I'm sending you God's Spirit to live in you. My Spirit to live in you. And this was always Jesus' plan to train his 12 disciples to die on the cross for their sins, to send them into the world to be his, his replicas, to be his disciples, to be his apprentices, but when he sent them, to send them empowered by his spirit. And Jesus says, that would be better than if I was here by myself. This uh, up-and-coming pastor, I think he's got a future called Pastor Jim Gallagher. He is <laughs> senior pastor here. He said this, he said, Jesus believes that the relationship with God, and he's talking about this relationship of God, us empowered by the Spirit, Jesus believes this relationship with God is even better than the one that Andrew and the rest of the apostles had with Jesus when they were walking along the Sea of Galilee. So so according to Jesus, it's actually better for us than the disciples who were walking with Jesus. Because when the Holy Spirit enters into us, He invites us into God's presence so that daily we can walk with him. When the Holy Spirit enters into us, he begins a process of transformation, changing us and helping us to become like Jesus. And when the Holy Spirit enters us, he empowers us for mission, sending us into the world. So as I close and I'll have the band come back up, what what do we do with this information? Well, we talked about that Jesus is on the throne. He's interceding for us. He's coming back again. He's empowered us with his spirit. What do we do with this information? Well, Jesus actually talked about his return uh, a lot, and it's recorded in in Matthew chapter 24, and and he is is telling the disciples, here are some of the signs that are going to come with my return. But then he tells them this story. And he tells him this story about a master who leaves his house in charge of, or he leaves servants in charge of his house. So he says there's a bunch of servants, and the master is going to go away. He's going to go on a trip, and he's going to come back. And this is what Jesus says to conclude that. Verse 45 of Matthew 24, he says, A faithful, sensible servant is one to whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. If the master returns and finds that the servant has done a good job, there will be a reward. And and I love this because I think this is such a beautiful and such a simple thing. And, And we can get very... Uh, uh, we can allow ourselves to make things incredibly complicated. And I believe the Bible is deep. I believe that God is deep. I believe that he wants to call us to know him more deeply. And so we should seek the deeper things of God. But sometimes it's good to make things incredibly simple. And as simple as Jesus can put it, he says, look, I'm going away. And when I come back, I want to find you serving me. I want to find you doing the thing that I told you to do at the beginning, which is filled by the Holy Spirit, go and be my witnesses. And I love that. He, he even mentions in here, he says, the servants should be feeding the other servants. So part of our job is to encourage each other, to build each other up, to, to help each other to grow, to help each other to serve God better. And, and we know this, that serving, it's gonna look like different things for different people. For some, it looks like standing on the stage. For some, it looks like playing an instrument, serving coffee, being behind the scenes where no one will ever see you. God has called each one of us to different things. But as simple and as basic as it can be, what Jesus wants is, we're expecting him to come back. We're waiting for him to come back. We don't know when that's gonna be. We may die and go to heaven before that happens, or it may happen tomorrow, we don't know. But when he comes back, what we wanna do is we want him to find us doing what he asks us to do. We want him to find us serving him. Let's pray. Thank you, God. Thank you that you are in heaven, that you are ruling and reigning the name above every name. Thank you that you are interceding for us, that you have paid for our sins, and that there is no condemnation that can come against us. And thank you that you have empowered us, God. And Lord, I pray that we would be found faithful. I pray that we would lean into everything that you're doing. And we thank you even for what you're doing right now in these moments. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. If you find yourself in the Space Coast, you can follow us on Instagram at We Are the Harbor. Or if you're out on the Treasure Coast, connect with us on Instagram at Calvary Chapel Vero Beach. Otherwise, see you next time.